ahead and get into it. Um, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu uh, alaikum, dear sisters and brothers, uh, to all those who are watching, to all those who may be watching in the future, and to you, my dear brother, Sabari John. Salam, salam, brother. Uh, yeah, I guess we're live, right? Or are we? Yes, are we, going? we are. Yes, this is our first ever live session uh, for radio, radio for the Radio Resistance podcast, um, and uh, of course, of all days that we did decide to um, produce this special episode and why we chose to go live today specifically is uh, a result of, um, of of the day itself, it being the 15th of August, exactly one year since the tragic fall of um, Kabul and Afghanistan uh, to the Taliban terrorists. Yep. So what, what happened last year on this date was one of the most significant events in the history of Afghanistan, right? Would, would you agree? Absolutely, 100%. Right? Yeah. Um, I guess the first thing that I want to kind of... Uh, if, I, if I were to just discuss this with anyone, the, fir the first thing that I would say is it's been, it's been a year. A year is not necessarily a long time i mean it but for such a significant event right the reaction of the world has just been the biggest thing that stood out to me obviously we we can go into and we will go into what the taliban have been doing and and the, the how the situation has been unfolding in the country but most people already know that at least our audience uh already knows that right but just as as us having this conversation i what what stands out to you the most in this past year? I guess let's start there, and then we can just keep uh, bouncing off each other. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, um, the, many many have phrased and, and or coined uh, a, a specific term to describe this past year, right? We or even this day, we're hearing a lot of people use the word the black day or the day of darkness or the year of darkness. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, personally myself, um, I'm an optimist, right. And despite, uh, what you just shared right now as one of the most key and crucial, um, uh, I think talking points for us to actually discuss on this episode as well, the world's uh, silence at large, the world at, at large, their silence, right. Uh, in the face of the many, not just many atrocities, but in the face of a entire country being handed to terrorists, yeah. it's not, not the vast majority of what happened is not a, is not surprising, right? We knew that this is what, this is, these guys who were handed power are terrorists. And we knew that events like what did unfold were going to unfold. Right. Yeah. But um, what I would say um, I, I'm, I'm focusing on the light. I see a light at the end of this very dark tunnel that we're in. Sure, it has been a year of darkness. 365 days plus that girls have not been allowed to go to school for secondary education onwards, right? Um, boys in many areas. There's multi-ethnic genocides taking place in Afghanistan. There, I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And if we decided to make this episode about Taliban atrocities and war crimes and their brutality and all of that, 
Yeah. We'll be sitting here for hours talking about every single incident and every single atrocity that they've committed. But again, uh, your question, to answer your question, what stood out was what happened on this exact day as well. An individual, the son of the national hero of Afghanistan, Ahmad Massoud, took, took a stand. The world abandoned us. When I say us, us, Afghan diaspora, Afghanistani diaspora, those inside of Afghanistan, uh, those who who gave up their lives, whether they were Afghan, whether they were from Afghanistan, or those who um, were the al were allies, were our allies in this war against those same individuals who were handed power, handed this country, right? So what's what what stands out the most, what I think is the most significant event from everything that's occurred in the last year is first and foremost the stand that uh, that Ahmad Massoud took against the the Taliban and essentially that being leading to the formation of a what's been coined as the anti-Taliban resistance or what they call themselves the national resistance front of Afghanistan and um we can talk more about exactly what they've done in the past year and and all of that but um th that for sure is is what stands uh, what i think is the what would be the most significant event that occurred in the past year it this this some some may think that this was a since since afghanistan hasn't been liberated yet we're one year into the taliban occupation and afghanistan has not been liberated well that can't be the greatest uh, or the most significant event that took place. But no, in fact, it definitely is because it has set the grounds for the problems of not just the past 20 years, but the problems from the very inception of this nation state called Afghanistan once and for all being addressed. And the way I see it is that we have a revolution in the works. Right. Uh, how about you, Zubair John? What would be the what what event stands out stood out the most, or what would be the the the, um, the biggest? Uh, well, I think. Take, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I it's basically twofold. I think it's either going to be from one from one angle, it's going to either be idea of the Taliban, right? This, there's a terrorist organization that took over this country. That's like 50% of it. And then the other 50% is the reaction to that, right? Which is what you said. So I think to, to people uh, from Afghanistan, the way that they reacted is, is kind of either one or the other, or it could be a combination, but some people are more amazed or, you know, more focused and with this whole concept, which is amazing, right? Uh, of a resistance that came out when everyone else fled when everyone else basically gave up there is no other option and all of a sudden you have not just any resistance it's it's coming from such a like a charismatic figure right this is the son of the legendary Ahmad Shah Massoud who came out on that day when we see him boarding that helicopter that scene was in itself was uh almost like cinematic it was amazing it was like first for a lot of people it was 
unreal. They're like, wow, someone did something. Because so, most people gave up hope. They're like, it's over. But when he is the only one that took that stand, yeah, so f f that is uh, something huge. But I would say what's even more like in terms of like surreal is the idea that the Talib, that people don't understand. I, don't, I think uh, most of the world, they don't really, they don't fully understand who the Taliban are or what they've done. And specifically, the relation or the experience that the people of Afghanistan have had with the Taliban. That's what people don't understand. They don't realize that um, the, the, the people of Afghanistan dealt with the Taliban from 1996 to 2001. See, it's only been one year that's passed so far. And already to, to many people, they're like in disbelief and they're in shock that like, how could this have happened, right? Um, but back then from 96 2001 the people dealt with five years of that and then on top of the, to follow up with that it's not like they just this the taliban just disappeared or the experience the people's experience with the taliban just ended there no and then we had 20 years of an insurgency where on a daily basis on a weekly basis we had you know the taliban just committing atrocities killing people through their bombings right car bombs um ieds suicide bombings just shootings in schools in hospitals in mosques uh in marketplaces uh 20 years of that is a lot um i think people don't realize that uh one second yeah no uh, mm -hmm. so i think i think 20 so to deal with 20 years of that so, that, so so far we're at 26 years of dealing with like the biggest oppressor in, Afghan, in Afghanistan, the biggest problem for the people of Afghanistan has been the Taliban. Now add on top of that another full year of the Taliban being in power again. So 27 years that the people of Afghanistan have been dealing with this terrorist organization. And that's the group that's in power right now. Ten and the, the craziest part, with... the craziest part is that they haven't changed. That not even in the slightest bit have they changed. It's it's just a repeat of their ideology and their habits and their practices from to ninety six to two thousand one, and from the last twenty years. Uh, that's what stands out to me is that this is such an urgent or this is such an, an important thing that's happened but the world has just the reaction to it is so nonchalant i mean the international community is just they're trying their best in every media out most of the mainstream media outlets right um in most countries and 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 their diplomats the governments like in britain like we saw the uk it's just everything that they say is an attempt to kind of normalize the taliban and that's the part that stood out to me the most. And we're not even, don't even get me started on the reaction of the Muslim world uh, towards the Taliban. That's a whole conversation on its own. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I think it goes hand in hand with another issue as well, which was something that the international community uh, assisted a group of terrorists with, right? And that was the whole yeah. PR campaign, right? We, we you know, um, when you mentioned that the majority of the world uh, in relation to their silence, 
I don't blame the common lay people of any society, to be quite frank and honest with you, Zabaijan. Um, I don't think it would be fair for us to blame common lay, um, whether it be Muslims, Muslim in the Muslim world or be it in Western countries or anywhere, because it's the governments yeah. to either save face or they had national interests of their own with uh, seeing the rise of such a uh, group in Afghanistan, right? Uh, or for other reasons that actively participated, contributed to this large-scale whitewashing yeah. of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Terrorism, bro. Yeah. Like, like these are the same guys for twenty years that were every time they blast a a a, a, a mosque. CNN would broadcast it and put in, you know, we, we'd see it on every single news network around the world. That's what I was saying. That's exactly what I was right? saying before. I'm like, this yeah. is what's surreal to me is that like, yeah, people, yeah. did people forget about this? Like 20 years of just, it was every week. It was like almost every other day. It was just, I remember just scrolling through Facebook or like, you know, you get a WhatsApp message or something or just on CNN, like you said, just there was always a bombing that would happen. And it's like people seem to have forgotten about what we went through and it's like they just want us to like forcefully accept this group now when we never have and we never would it's just these people are foreign to us this ideology is foreign to our people that's what the world doesn't seem to understand yeah yeah i i think one of the um nuanced issues that are kind of downplayed when this these discussions of what happened in Afghanistan um, uh, take place well, is a discussion of Pakistan's involvement. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, today being the marking of the one year since the fall of Afghanistan, um, I also, I think it's a great opportunity for us to mention, mention and, and uh, perhaps uh, touch on, go a little into um, um, their involvement in, uh, the current situation of Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about way back when we go back into the, uh, to pre before before the war on terror um, since 2001, right? Mm-hmm. Since the Taliban's last uh, rise to power in the 90s, right? This was a proxy group back then. It's a proxy group today. They've been supported by Pakistan's intelligence services agency, Pakistan's ISI. There's clear and substantial evidence for this claim. This isn't something that's new to anybody. Um, It's 100% factual. um, um, And, and, and when you, you know, when you mention, and I completely agree with you as far as the world's silence, I think that that's a big part of it. I think that's yeah. a big part of it because of the fact that Pakistan so deeply invested in this terrorist group for their own national interests, right? It benefits them. One example would just be the use of, uh, um, well, where Pakistan Taliban can use, you know, Afghan Taliban to attack Kashmir, for example. That's just one example, right? Um, 
but in, intentionally Pakistan is building and has built the foundation of a terrorist network of the Haqqani network yeah. against India and and to do terror inside Kashmir mm-hmm. and it's and they're using Afghanistan as a scapegoat I think right. I think that this is something that's very important, and I, from all the conversations I've participated in in the past few days, right? There's been a lot of conversations, at least um, amongst those who still do care, um, that are taking place. And this is something I feel like is not there's not enough attention being paid to. Um, yeah, I don't know. What I are think... your thoughts on? on, on well, just just. Uh... Like a five second recap, I guess, for anyone that doesn't know the role like of Pakistan uh, with what you're you're saying, how how they supported the Taliban. Um, we know that Pakistan played a good role at a certain time, right? In the 80s. See, not every this is something that needs to be uh, made clear. Not every country or superpower or group is necessarily always wrong or always right. Uh like throughout time, like linearly, the people, positions change, policies change, right? So for example, um, Pakistan played a good role in the 80s where they helped the people of Afghanistan when America was also playing a good role. America, but it was in America's interest, right? They didn't want to see the Russians, the Soviets um, have, you know, expand into Asia. So when the Soviet uh, invasion of Afghanistan happened, America obviously um, assisted the the people of Afghanistan funneling aid and weapon via Pakistan, right? So they send the weapons to Pakistan and Pakistan does a good job and they send that what those weapons to the people of Afghanistan, the Mujahideen, the people of Afghanistan who formed different groups, but all had the same cause in fighting the communists fighting the Russians, right? At that time, we have to appreciate what Pakistan did. Um, and and what happened afterwards was when the, the Soviet Union was defeated and the communists were out, um, pa- this is where Pakistan kind of should have stepped away or should have played a better role. But instead, this is where they started having a more sinister role. They started um, supporting certain groups that had more extremist ideologies or that was loyal to Pakistan's interests. In this case, it was Gulbuddin Hikmatyar, who uh, also at that time in the 80s played a good role. He fought the the Russians, right? But then he turned evil in in the early 90s. And he, unfortunately, this is not a laughing matter. He bombed Kabul, killed tens of thousands of people. And with that happening, unfortunately, the entire then freedom fighters, all of them get painted with the same brush, and they're all they all kind of to some people lost credibility in in general. Even though it was certain groups doing it, like starting it, while certain other groups were just defending the country. In this case, the northern uh, Ahmad Shah Massoud was the defense minister of Kabul. Right, he's defending the country, and Hikmatyar is bombing the country, supported by Pakistan. And everyone gets, and Masood gets blamed for it, right? Um, you know that, that, that this is, is, is sorry, sorry, John. Just quickly, go ahead, I, and I hope you don't forget um, your point here. But that that that's a very, very, very uh, common theme 
when I see uh, uh, discussions happening pertaining to today's resistance in, in Afghanistan, right? When you said that, you know, the painting with the same brush, right? Yeah. Uh, for those who are genuinely interested in uh, all the details of this, please do refer to episode, episode number two, episode of, two yeah. of, of our podcast where we interviewed an individual who uh, I love when he says, Man, I'm not Afghan, I'm not Tajik, I'm not Hazara, I don't come with any bias. Right. I, who was it? Uh, um, Abdullah, Sheikh Abdullah Anas from Algeria, mm-hmm. who due to the holy concept of jihad in Islam, right? Yeah. What is jihad? Jihad is a defensive struggle. There's no such thing as an offensive jihad in Islam or an offensive war in Islam. You're not not only is it your right, but it is a responsibility that falls under the shoulders of a Muslim if their home is attacked, if their family is attacked, to stand yeah. up and defend oneself, right? So this is why, in 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 practical ter- terms, um, you used the word freedom fighter earlier. Um, uh, I think we should be, and I'm not saying that you are being apologetic in any way. They are freedom fi- fighters, but they were also mujahids. Of course. And we're very proud of this. Yeah. The the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan just released their uh, a, a statement and a document outlining their basic principles or their foundational and essential principles. And number one of those foundational and ba- essential principles is uh, is is our the, the declaration of our identity as Muslims and as those who are uh, uh, who, who are not just ju- justified, but our, our struggle is a dignified one because of our, our religious views as well. This is where our religious views are actually um, um, justified or ju- not just justified, but also they're they, they, they're these are these are those values that are also considered universal today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, standing for justice, right? Uh, believing in peace, for example, right, um, and all of that. But the point was that you know you went, when you mentioned that today, unfortunately, this word of warlords or um, um, what was it you mentioned? Uh, well, the, all the entire mujahideen who in other words, uh, or to translate that term, those who were uh, partaking in jihad, which the most appropriate simplified translation of this world would be a defensive struggle, Yeah. right? Who, back in uh, um, uh, our first resistance against the Soviets, right? Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, against those who are claiming to be the uh, claiming to be uh, or claiming to be the only ones with the right interpretation of Islam, this um, ter- proxy terrorist group, right? So anyway, um, just that point of you know those these in all of these individuals being painted with one brush. I think that's a very very important one that that uh, needs to be stressed in every discussion and uh, pertaining to. Um, the efforts of the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan, because in no way, in no way whatsoever, is the struggle of whether it be the late commander Ahmad Shah Massoud or that of his sons, 
Amir Sahib Ahmad Masood, in no way can they be compared to the likes of those uh, extremists and terrorists like Gulbuddin Hikmatyar and or those who will, you know, are a part of the Taliban today. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to, to go into a whole tangent of like a, a history. Uh, My apologies, brother. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, I started it. I was going to just wrap it up really quick. Um, because when you asked about Pakistan's role, it, it, you can't explain it without having context, right? If you just blame one person without explaining why they're to blame. Well, I could you... say it in one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, it? you're right. No, you're right, Zubair. It needs context. And, and perhaps we would need even longer than the amount of time we've already spent to provide the full context. Mm -hmm. But in a single statement, just to put the current state of Afghanistan in one sentence in my eye, the way I see things, Afghanistan is just being used as Pakistan's backyard right now. Yep. Taliban are their proxy. Yep. This past year, that's been the case. Yeah. This entire year, the year of darkness, black day today, mm -hmm. Pakistan is using Afghanistan as its backyard through its proxy and uh, uh, proxy force, cr 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 crime syndicate, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Right? And this Terrorists. is just <laughs> a, a message to, obviously, I say this all the time in my posts when I've posted on Facebook or Twitter, like, when we when we blame Pakistan here, we're not being um, like what's the word, uh, like unfriendly or hostile towards like your average Pakistani citizen like that you see in the street, like some of my friends and stuff like that. It this shouldn't if you're like a rational person, you shouldn't take offense to us criticizing the policies of your government, which is a failed state. The, and that you shouldn't take offense to so when someone says a failed state. Most of the Muslim world are failed states, right? And, and throughout the Middle East, in Asia, there's just all we see from the Muslim world in the past few decades are just essentially failed states. And that's it's look, you don't represent them and they don't necessarily represent you. These are man made borders and, you know, installed puppets and whatnot. You, you shouldn't, I, I don't see the sense of taking things personally. So, when, when we're criticizing Pakistan here, we're criticizing the actions of the government and certain elements of the government, specifically the ISI here. Um, because it's not, this isn't a, a laughing matter. This isn't a light matter. When people, tens of thousands of people in the last 30 years have been killed. Like this is innocent blood that's just been spilled. This is not, this is not a simple thing. This is a big deal. These are our people. We feel hurt. So of course we're, we have every right to criticize those who are supporting these terrorists, right? And in the same way, um, Pakistan's not innocent. It's not just Afghanistan. They're doing the same thing with the, the Uyghurs in China, right? These, these people are in concentration camps. And when the Muslim world, you know, says, oh, they bring up the Uyghurs every once in a while, people fail to pinpoint which country, which Muslim country is hypocritically in bed with China, the communist state of China that's supporting these Uyghurs. So Pakistan is doing two very hypocritical and, and just wrong, uh, carrying out these two wrong policies against fellow Muslims when they claim to be this Islamic country. But anyway, we gave Pakistan way too much attention, I think. Right, was, yeah. Right, let's move on. 
Uh, it, do you mind if we if we discuss really quickly the whole phenomenon of like the Muslim world in general? Uh, let's not take uh, let's look at look at the time right now. Maybe like five to ten minutes max, right? Yeah, um, sure. Why why does the Muslim world react the way they do to the Taliban in Afghanistan? Right, August fifteenth happened. We saw the reaction of the Muslim world. It was either silence or it was mainly what support. Right, they cheered on the the Taliban. Now I I could summarize it, but um, I spoke a lot. So go ahead. What would you say? What what's your take on that? Um, could you repeat that your question? I'm sorry. The, the, the Muslim world's reaction to, to the Taliban. Like, wh- how would you analyze that? Like, I, you know, when August 15th happened, right? The Muslim world in general, countries, general populations, right? Of people that maybe on Twitter, on social right, yeah. media, they either were silent or they mm-hmm. straight up cheered on the Taliban's takeover. So what, wh- how would you react? to Yeah. That? Yeah. So. I, I think that, that there's a comp um, in terms of reaction, right? I think there's there are a lot of differences between the Muslim world's response and reaction and that of the rest of the world in the international stage or global stage, but there are some similarities as well. And I think I want to touch on the similarities first. Okay, mm-hmm. the problem or one of the biggest of problems was the narratives that nation states all around the world, whether they were part of the Muslim world or Ummah or countries in the West or wherever in the world they may have been, the narrative that was being sold to their people, right? So again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think that we can really blame the common lay or average citizens and residents of these countries belonging to these um, Muslim nation states. So for example, you know, I think this is a great topic that you brought up, right? And in fact, I, let me go ahead and share an experience. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've probably seen this too, but um, we're quite active. For those of you guys watching for the first time, we're, we're on Twitter <laughs> and, um, and, and I've wanted to study Twitter at least, right? Um, I, I, I've, I've noticed something. I've noticed many since last year, have been reactionary to a certain degree, I believe justified as well, right? When it comes to the 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 lack of support or um, the lack of support from the Muslim world and specifically the, the specific example that I wanted to bring up right now was that of um, the resistance happening in, in the Palestinian resistance against the um israeli occupation forces okay now um you see um both in both of these situations in the world right you have a people an indigenous people resisting against um occupying forces now without getting into the differences and the similarities and all of that in these Mm -hmm. two situations just relating this to um um, our reactions, right? Um, I I can't hold those Muslims accountable because the narrative that the entire world has sold to to them is that hey, these people are Muslims. They're right. practicing. They're 
they're they're they're good Muslims. They just they just fought off this infidel force right, who right, was, right, right. who came in and and fought against Afghans and were killing Afghans for for the sake of more bloodshed in the Muslim world. Just a quick inter interjection. When I'm saying, like, let's talk about the Muslim world, I'm not saying let's blame them. Because you've you said it a few times. You're like, I can't really blame them. I wouldn't blame. It's not about blaming them. We're not here to put people on blast and to call out the Muslim world. No, no. We're just trying to explain what they're, what, how they're okay. seeing it and how that could potentially be a mistake. So you're explaining that right now. And that's what we need to do. So gotcha. go on, yes. continue. Yes, yes. Sorry, yes. I, didn't, I didn't mean to. No, no, thank you. Thank you for that um, important clarification. Yeah. So, um, and we're both on the same page there. Yep. Yeah, Neither of one of us are, are, are blaming. No, there's, there's no, there's no point to blame anyone. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I can think that's the ultimate point that I wanted to make that, mm -hmm. um, the world at large, and this is the similarity between the Muslim world and the non-Muslim world, mm -hmm. the world at large has what happened or the story wrong. Now let's exactly. go ahead and as briefly as possible, try to provide that the correct narrative of what actually happened. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. how, how do you feel about this right now? Let's do it. Let's do it. You think you think we could we we could we can we can accomplish that in about seven minutes? That gets just us keep to time. Our minutes. Yeah, yes. you got to keep you got to keep track of the, the the clock though. Yep. So yep. I'll, three, you, how long do you want? You want to split this? You take three minutes and I take three. Sure. Let's go. Okay. So um, you go first. All right, so first and foremost, I think there's three things that are on my mind, but I want to touch on one of them before handing the torch off to you, brother. So first and foremost, the there's something called the Doha talks that took place, right? During these Doha talks, right, um, we – well, sorry – I do have to mention this to actually for for context to be able to discuss the Doha talks. No, don't be sorry. Uh, you you got three minutes. Bro. Ever since, <laughs> not giving ever since ever, ever since two thousand and one. Okay, when Afghanistan, along with um, strategic allies and partners, came to the decision to form a new nation state, right? There was something in that formula that was proposed. That was fundamentally flawed. And what that was, was the creation of a nation state that was highly centralized. We see its effects. We saw its effects in the early days, in the Karzai days. And we saw its effects even more so during the days of the former, uh, they call them President Farari in, in Farsi. And Farari means the one who fled, the, the traitor uh, um, Ghani. Okay, so why this context is important is to understand how those Doha talks went wrong. The intention behind those talks were great. They were meant to bring everybody in Afghanistan together to figure out a solution to allow for those who committed to this war on terror to withdraw from Afghanistan, something that all of Afghanistan, all the people of Afghanistan wanted mm -hmm. there's no disagreement amongst the people of afghanistan when it comes to that issue mm -hmm. thank you very much world for joining us in this battle and war against terror 
we um that there was a lot of that there was a lot we accomplished together um things that were not even part of your promises that we we are great grateful for right and and um we're ready to assist you in your withdrawal as well but let's just make sure i mean the idea would be to make sure that we uh we reach a a position that is going to be one where when this withdrawal takes place it doesn't lead to what actually happened okay so the doha talks the significance here is that due to this highly centralized republic being in in, in place and that being led by a ethno-nationalist uh, like uh, 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 this former president we just mentioned, Ghani, right? Mm -hmm. And his counterpart here in the United States of America, Zalmay Khalil Zad, right? These talks happened behind the closed doors, right? They happened without the people of Afghanistan being involved in these talks, and they led directly to the handing over of power from the centralized super uber ultra centralized government to a group of terrorists some right. call this the great conspiracy do your own research look into the facts and you'll see that this is not a conspiracy these are the 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 cold hard facts president rani himself there's he, in his latest interview in his first interview since the fall of kabul he did not address or respond to a single one of the questions that Sigar had raised in relation to um, uh, his fleeing and um, his involvement in the uh, events that unfolded uh, after the fall of Kabul. So, um, so yeah, so that's, I guess my three minutes are over there. But um, Doha, the, do the significance of these do Doha, talk Doha talks. And, and then as far as those who were involved, we've discussed this in a pre previous episode as well, but to recap events, right? It started during President, former President Donald Trump's time, but the actual withdrawal itself happened under the sitting President Biden's watch. And that's something, and I'll leave it with, I'll, I'll stop right here. At, that is something that the people of Afghanistan, including myself, will never forget. We'll never forget. We were betrayed by this current administration. There's no doubt about that. And they had a role. And, and, and I, I, I am very grateful and appreciative to all those Americans who are indeed aware and they still do care and they have done their due diligence and um and haven't simply you know just watched the five minute stream of of biden's uh uh blaming everything on the afghanistan's national defense and security forces mm -hmm. um we've got in the pre in our i think first episode we did go into how that part of the narrative was entirely false and afghanistan's national defense and security forces um disintegrated entirely due to reasons relating to what we just discussed as well but um but yeah that that, that i would say uh between those three things that i had in mind the doha talks would be the 
um, the one that I would uh, uh, say holds most significance in relation to what led to the fall of Kabul. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you you brought up that point because that's not what I was gonna. Um, that's not the point that I was gonna make, but it's an important point. So I'm glad you took that one, right? Because um, well, we were trying to come to the the reason why <laughs> the reaction of the Muslim world, right? That was one of that was one of the main things that we were trying to get to. So I, that's what I'm gonna summarize, right? I'm gonna summarize my take on why certain people react to the situation in Afghanistan, right? To last August, why they reacted the way they did, right? Um, so just to, to put it briefly, it, it all has to do with our mindsets, right? The anti-imperialistic mindset that we have as, as people who grew up in the West, right? And this all took place, right? This anti-imperialist narrative really formed when the United States... Um, it mainly started with 9-11, right? After 9-11 happened, America went into Afghanistan, right? To fight this, to start this war on terror. It all started with the war on terror. But Afghanistan wasn't the main thing because there was a lot of people that understood the reaction, right? I mean, you have two planes that go into the World Trade Center, knocks down these magnificent towers, kills 3,000 people. I mean, any country in the world would have retaliated if you go by that narrative, right, that this, these terrorists hijacked planes who were harbored in Afghanistan, the mastermind is in Afghanistan, they, ha they crashed these planes into the buildings and 3,000 people die, any country in the world would have invaded. They would have went in and to go after the culprits, right, the mastermind. Now, what really gave America this, like, negative image, right, this perception was... The invasion of Iraq in particular, right? When Iraq got invaded, that was a war that there's like consensus on that, that other than the neocons or whoever you want to, the extremist groups, whoever is in support of all and every war, right? Other than them, everyone is pretty much in agreement that Iraq shouldn't have happened or it was a mistake at the, end, at the very least. It was a mistake. Now that's when America gained this really negative kind of perception and this negative um, reputation. And the Muslim world in general, when they saw those clips and the videos of like, let's say Guantanamo Bay or all whatever war crimes that happened, this really built up in the Muslim population. And they said any war that America took place in was just always by default seemed as wrong every occupation every war every bombing whether it was drone strikes or a full-on war right in syria in libya whatever you want what you name it right it was always it just the muslim world in general reacted and you can't blame much of the muslim world this is why i said we're not blaming we're not here to expose and to put blame on them we're just trying to uh understand their perspective but to explain it to them that this is how you're thinking, but it's not necessarily right. So now when we have fast forward 20 years, the longest war, right? In the history of, you know, in modern history and the history of America, at least of the West, this is the longest war ever. Now, after 20 years of this, right? Bin Laden was taken out. Um, Al-Qaeda supposedly not in the, was supposedly not in the country anymore. People were like, well, what are they still doing there? This, this, is, this is ridiculous. This is the longest war. 
So people started developing this mentality that the Taliban are just the people of Afghanistan and they're just resisting and they're defending their country and they're fighting the occupation, the occupying forces. That's the term we see all the time. Uh, the occupying forces, the Taliban were just fighting them, right? Now, what people don't realize, so what, obviously, when America withdrew on August 15th, on August, the end of August, Taliban took over August 15th, the Muslim world um, reacted in a way that they're like, wow, this is great. America finally lost, right? Uh, that's why the context was important, that everything that happened. Um, did you want did you want to jump in or no no no, no. go ahead yeah. no, no, no. i'm almost I'll, done I'll, I'll tie in why i brought up the doha talks of into, course yeah but no no that ahead, please. yeah mm -hmm. so now of course their reaction on august 15th for the most part is going to be was like a celebratory reaction that like america lost the muslims won it's just they simplify it it's black and white the muslims won they defeated the occupiers. So that's how, when you talk to the average Muslim, like wh whether it's in, you go to the mosque and you talk to the average Arab or Pakistani, they're, they're gonna have this reaction. And it's like, what they don't realize is that the people of Afghanistan suffered more under the hands of the Taliban than they did towards, you know, under the, under the attacks or under the invasion of America and NATO. This is just a fact that people don't realize. People think they just simplify it where they're like, America was just killing Muslims in Afghanistan. When that's not the case, right? Uh, I explained before, six years of the Taliban, six years of brutal, barbaric rule, right? Ma the massacres that happened, people don't realize that. The, the amount of Muslims that were killed by the Taliban, six years of just being oppressed by this Muslim group, right? They don't realize that. And then 20 years of just so many suicide bombings that happened, they don't realize that. So... They have to keep this, this has to be kept in mind by the average Muslim that like, when we're here fighting the Taliban, a lot of people say, well, why didn't you guys fight? You know, why, why is the resistance fighting the Taliban now? Where were they in, why were they not fighting the occupying forces? This is a very popular question that you see Talib, uh, Taliban apologists pose all the time, right? Well, we're, why weren't you guys fighting the occupying forces? And I'm going to finish here. Well, why would we fight the, the, the America, right? When in... 96 2001 well even before that america helped us defeat the communists right the worst power in the world at the time this was an honor for us we defeated the communists america was our biggest ally in doing that so already they're on our side number two um from 96 2001 we got oppressed by the taliban america comes in to say we're gonna help defeat your enemies why would we turn that away we said sure we'll take it a lot of the people of, of Afghanistan welcomed it. And therefore, throughout the 20 years, they also assisted. Now, that's not to justify the collateral damage and the war crimes or mistakes that happened. That's not to, that's not to dismiss that stuff. We are against that as well. The yeah. people of Afghanistan protested that. But in general, there is a bigger enemy here. And that was the Taliban. So that's why we didn't fight them. And, and that's why currently we're fighting the Taliban. It's, it's just that simple. But... I think a lot of people don't realize that. They just simple oversimplify it. All right, I'm right. I went over. Right, no, no, no. I, uh, bro, uh, I, I mean, if there's more you want to add to that, I think it's so no, no, important no. that we should expand even as, <laughs> further. Um, who is it that said, maybe you you would know, um, Sobarjan, uh, there, there's a saying I remember of um, 
there aren't any permanent enemies and no permanent friends, only permanent interests, right? Oh, I don't so remember who said that. Okay. Well, regardless of who said it, I think it's a very um, uh, meaningful uh, statement. And I think it applies and summarizes everything you said quite well that, you know, um, this alliance, this elite, this alliance that w was formed was, was done for noble reasons, right? It, it wasn't just called the war on terror and it was a war on innocent individuals, right? Right, right. As you said, there was collateral damage. No denial of that. That happens in every war and nobody's justifying it. Every, oh, we condemned it. it. We, we not just condemned it. We've gone even further and farther. At, we're doing our utmost to hold those accountable, whether it be the, the country that I am a citizen of or the United States of America or elsewhere. We're right. going to hold those who are responsible for any sort of war crimes accountable. We'll do our best. And, and we have been. It doesn't matter whether I'm Tajik, Pashtun, Hazara, Uzbek, whatever. Right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a whole separate issue. And, and uh, it's very important. Um, just an example of, of a real life example of seeing this even here in the U.S. You know, mm -hmm. it was this past month of um, Ramadan. Mm -hmm. I attended a uh, mosque. Uh, one of, it wasn't a mosque that I typically attend. Um, the programs I was it was somewhere in Orange County. It's called Masjid Rahman. It's quite a large, very popular mosque here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And uh, Islamic Society of Orange County, I believe, uh, is one of the other names it goes by. But um, so there was a representative from CARE, um, the Council of America. Uh, help me out here, Sober John. Council of America. Like American Islamic Relations. Islamic Relations, right? Yeah. So they're ultimately a lobbying group from Muslims here in the United States, right? The representative here in Los Angeles is a gentleman by the name of Hussam Ailush. Oh, and he yeah. was there. He was there. He gave a short talk after one set of Tarawih prayers. And, you know, he mentioned atrocities taking place against Muslims in different parts of the world. He mentioned, as you mentioned earlier in this uh, live um, in relation to the Uyghurs in China, um, atrocities taking place against Muslims in India. Mm -hmm. And I was just sitting there waiting. <laughs> Brother, this is, this is typical. I, I'm a Muslim. Muslim. Muslim here. You know, Allah Akbar. <laughs> what about Afghanistan? What about my motherland? That's yeah. just been, you know, it's not, it's not just that there's a terrorist group that's attacking some um, different sects, mosques, every few months now no now those terrorists are trying to run the nation which they're mm -hmm. miserably failing at shouldn't this be the first of the countries that we should be discussing or talking about if we're truly here right to, to, to discuss I mean, to to and then you know what so so after that night i was really heated that night right um I come home and I'm like, let me just sleep on this 
I want to I want to try to see if I can reach out to this brother um, later because I I know brother Hassan Mailush. I've seen him speak in different places and he's um, expressed some very extreme thoughts before as well. So mm-hmm. I said, let me let me give this some 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 time. A day or two later, you know, I, I tweet about this, right? And I tag Care and I tag uh, Brother Hassam as well, right? And then all of a sudden, I see a whole th- threat, like a, 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 a at least like seven to ten replies on this, what turned into a thread. It was just like a two two piece tweet, two part three, right? right? It turned into a whole thread with Care Los Angeles the Los Angeles chapter of this national organization uh, tweeting their press releases condemning every one of the or a few press releases condemning certain attacks that had happened against Muslims in Afghanistan over the span of the past few years, right? And I read it. I was like, you know what? Wow. I made made a mistake. I made him rush to judgment, uh, you know. But I said, let me go ahead and read through these. I read through each and every one of those statements, right? Not a single one of those statements actually condemned the Taliban. Really? I didn't read Because those. They condemned the atrocities. Uh, and, and here's... There's a very... Um, this is somewhat nuanced, right? When I say that, there's a... There's this whole... Um, scholarly discussion for those who are into Islamic sciences that comes up as well. But without getting into all of that right now, um, I didn't see any condemnation. The point is I didn't see any condemnation of the Taliban themselves, right? And I wondered why. So I asked, you know, well, what's what's up with that right why 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 can you guys not condemn this group of terrorists right mm-hmm. they're a group of terrorists right that's what they are are they not and then um you know there was no no clear response and i saw what this guy kept trying to do was avoid answering that question i asked i got and then i got very direct i said can you just respond to one matter for me please i know that today despite many years ago You'd consider some of the leaders of ISIS as your brothers today out of fear of you potentially losing your U.S. citizenship or something of that nature or sort. You wouldn't come out and, you know, support your ISIS brothers. But let I, I didn't say, say any of that. Right. But I just asked this question of are the Taliban your brothers? Would you refer to them or call them as my brothers? Right in Islam, we're 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 taught that we're all of humanity is actually brothers of one another. We're either brothers in faith or we're brothers in humanity. Right, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. brothers and sisters. So in faith, would you consider them your brothers? And then he responds with, "Would you rather have me tech, or are you saying that I should do takfir of them?" For those of you who don't know what takfir is, that is the action that many of these these extremists. Um, um, terrorist or jihadist factions um, that's that's the term of uh, that's the term used to declare you as an infidel and basically your blood is now not just 
permissible, but it becomes obligatory for their uh, insurgents to come after you and kill you, right? Mm-hmm. So, so he said, "Would you? Would you? Are you suggesting that I do tech fear of these individuals? Mm-hmm. Where did he get that from? Right? I didn't make any such suggestion. That's, cool. That's a straw man. That's what it is. That's a straw man argument, right there, right? Yeah. Now, why? Let me ask you that question, Zubaijan. Why are they doing this? I mean, I you know, touched I, on this. You, you answered to I know a, what a the reason degree. is. Tell me. I think the main reason is people, even if they accept the truth. Sorry, am I not talking into... Even if they no, accept that, let's just say they, deep down, they, they acknowledge that, yeah, he's right. The Taliban are bad. I think people have again the anti-imperialist mindset i think there's they just have gotten so afraid of like war that they're afraid that if i call out the taliban right and if i say like hashtag free afghanistan or i call out the taliban then that means i'm calling for more war that means i'm calling for america to come right back in and freaking bomb the country you know to smithereens another 20 years of war that's what they're afraid of i think a lot of people are afraid of that so then they, they'll just like, uh, let's just either remain silent or they play themselves and they trick themselves and they say, no, the Taliban are good and, you know, well then, they well justify then, everything. Well, I think that's that's one of the main reasons, if if not the, the reason. I agree. I think that that's that's probably a big, big, big part of it, if not the entire reason. It. Right. And, and, and for the for anybody who this would be a general concern of theirs, right? What I really suggest is you to pick, order this book. If you're having trouble ordering it, let me know. Reach out to us, okay? I'll get you a copy. This guy left his country, his homeland, for the mountains. It's called To the Mountains, Abdullah Mm -hmm. Anas, right? As far as practicing Muslim, you can't get more practicing than that, right? He's legit. the the someone in the, the, the one of the most um, revered figures of the Muslim world at the time said that it's declared this fatwa or this verdict, this uh, a religious verdict, saying that you know we need to go to the aid of our um, Muslim brothers in Afghanistan, and uh, without hesitation, Abdullah Anas joined. Right. So now the same individual who until today believes that that was a defensive struggle and it was justified, also believes that the resistance against the Taliban is a justified one. Yeah. So, dear Muslim world, what Zubarjan and I are trying to tell you guys here is that you've been lied to. You don't have the facts. Yeah. You don't need to listen to us. You don't need to just take what we're saying and go do the research. It's not quite hard. Look up the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan. Ask your do the research. Are they Muslims too or not? Right. Are, are the Hazaras mm-hmm. are the are the Hazaras who are being genocided in Afghanistan? Are they not Muslim? Right. Since when did Shiite Muslims become leave the fold of Islam and the Taliban have an exalted status within the Muslim world? Mm-hmm. They, they, they did not allow Shiite Muslims. It's, we're in the month of Muharram right now. Shiite Muslims in Kabul and Mazar all across Afghanistan are not allowed to partake in mourning processions for the grandson of the Holy Prophet of Islam, 
Hazreti Muhammed al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What kind of Islam is this? Okay, so that's the Shiites. We have problems with them, right? They 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 have problems, whatever. That's the Shiites, right? Well, what about the Tajiks of Panjshir and Arab, uh, Badakhshan, Baglan? They're being killed on a daily basis. Not just... On- Mm-hmm. Not just killed. I mean, we made the comparison to ISIS before. I mean, how many beheadings did we see? Like, unfortunately, I, I hate to have seen these things, right? Like, how many Twitter videos came out where you had to, like, scroll past it, but, like, no, you kind of wanted to watch it just to, just to see if it was real. And they're straight up cutting people's heads off of their bodies. This is the Taliban doing it. And they hold the head up and they scream, Allahu Akbar, while they're doing it. Like, where is this in Islam? Like, I... Eight years ago, whatever, we were all condemning ISIS. Nobody was going to say, no, they're fighting, they're the liberators, right? The resistance fighters. You condemned it. What's the difference here when, when the Taliban does it? When they did it for 20 years, like blowing people's body parts, like scattering children's like limbs across the, the street. How many suicide bombings happened, right? What's the difference? Not only were they condemned, not, not only did they eventually get condemned, uh, the vast majority of the Muslim world welcomed Western support in Iraq itself, it didn't matter. You know, the dynamics there are different and sectarian specific issues is what I'm referring to. But I mean, both Shias and most Sunnis, this, they, were, they were united in yeah. this one cause, right? You oh, yeah. saw them being welcoming of U.S. forces to, to fight against ISIS, mm-hmm. right? So... Again, this double standardness, this hypocrisy, this is what it is. That's what it is. It's a double standardness. It's a it's hypocrisy. Yeah. Now, to just go back um, so we can actually form a conclusion here on this, uh, as far as this issue is con- concerned, this mm-hmm. all stemmed from whether or not, um, you know, the issue of, of the Muslim world's reaction and how some of us, uh, some of us who are from Afghanistan, Mother Diaspora or those within Afghanistan, how we feel in relation to the Muslim world's reaction, right? That's something that we wanted to also talk about and address, correct, Mr. Rajan? How we, so we feel to them. Mm-hmm. So we so so we, we we got it clear as far as like or we've discussed, yeah. I mean, as far as what why there's this kind of a reaction. Right. But now we mentioned this earlier, seeing seeing certain reactions to the Muslim world's reaction, right? Right. Yeah. And a lot of it I see is condemnation of the common lay and innocent people. And I, I would highly urge for m- my dear and fellow compatriots to uh, reconsider that approach. Reconsider that approach. Yes, yes, the world at large, not just the Muslim world, but the world at large has betrayed us, has betrayed our people. Afghanistan has been forgotten. But again, um, and we weren't, you know, Zubarjan uh, made this clarification, but we just have to see why the, the vast majority um, do have the false narrative in their hands and yeah so um 
what what we should in my humble opinion be doing instead of you know uh these very emotional reactionary kinds of uh efforts that sometimes take place we really need to educate raise more awareness on and speak to especially the common lay people of these Muslim societies and educate them, inform them, let them know that there's there's a there's a struggle in Afghanistan to rid the country from not just a proxy force of another country's not that but a group who's actually a disgrace to the religion of Islam. If you are a Muslim, if you are a practicing Muslim, if you care for the Muslim Ummah, if you care about Islam, if you care about your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Wallahi, my dear brothers and sisters, you will be asked about this. We will all be asked about this. The Taliban do not represent an iota of what Islam stands for. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can go ahead and do a proper recap of every one of the reasons we can go ahead and right now start working on an open letter to however the hell his name's even pronounced the dude who turns his back towards the 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 the, his followers right the leader of the taliban right Uh, no it should be because he's constantly in occultation or right um but this individual right so the Muslim Ummah had a reaction to al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS. There was this open, one of the initiatives that t- took place was the open letter to al-Baghdadi, right? We didn't see that when it came to Afghanistan. And I'm not sitting, I'm not going to um, sit here and uh, um, point my finger and say, hey, you should have done this or you could have done this or that or whatever, right? But I will speak to my dear compatriots my fellow compatriots and say, hey, let's get together and let's work on starting and working on such these kinds of initiatives. Let's engage with the common lay of all of these Muslim countries, Muslim society, and raise more awareness and clear the narrative for them. I think that's that's, uh, when it comes to the Muslim world. Um, that that is uh, I, you 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 addressed that you you provided us and I agreed with you uh, your, with your analysis on why they have this wrong um, understanding of what actually happened right but in terms of what we can do to help remedy that situation this is something uh, I mean this is the only thing that really uh, we can do right. Um, a lot of what we just said right now also does apply to the non-Muslim world too. It's for the same, ultimately, for the same reason. The the narratives are slightly different, but ultimately, lies, deception, right? I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I no matter how hard I've tried, like I've had nightmares, bro. This seeing Biden's ugly face and and lying in front of the camera and and putting the blame on those who are ready to sacrifice their blood you know i spoke to i spoke to 
former ANDSF me members, right? Who 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 would tell me that we'd break bread with these Americans? We would invite them to our homes. For us, it wasn't like, oh, we're just allies. We treated them as brothers. Think about that for a second. And then Biden, not only, you know, did you, you just betray them in a literal sense, but then you stab them in the back too and say that they were cowards. They couldn't fight their own fight. The disintegration of the government happened that fast because of the national defense and security forces. Right. Whether the Muslim world or non-Muslim world, it was lies. All part of this global consp all part of this great conspiracy to try and fool the world that there's such a thing as Taliban 2.0 a new and reformed version of a former terrorist group as if terrorists can evolve and become peace love p p what do they call themselves these days some of those uh sympathizers that one joke of a figure jalal or something like that a peace activist is that what yeah. they call themselves peace activist former terrorist now peace activist yeah you've got the likes of Hikmatyar's grandson coming and lecturing others on morality today? What the hell is going on in, in our world today? Muslim world, non-Muslim world alike. This double net standardness, this hypocrisy needs to end. So now, those are a few different tangents that I don't even think we had planned as a where John to really go on and discuss. Uh, emotions are all over the place. I apologize to my to our viewers for uh, being so scatterbrained. Um, we've been these have been some really tough times. These have been some really tough times. Um, I I know. And I won't go into more. I've, I've spoken a lot already, but um, my, my life, and I know Zubair John, this applies to him as well. You know, had an entire 180 degree turn since last August, and 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 we're um, from Afghanistan, but living abroad. Just think about all of those individuals and I want to send all those girls with the dreams and aspirations who haven't been able to step foot into school. What do they want? They want to learn. They want their basic rights. So um, with all that being said, now I digress and I go back to earlier in the episode when you asked of me, Zubair John, you know, what is the most important thing? I think that was your question. Uh, if not, I'm, I apologize. Um, uh, but I think the most important thing is is to be is to look 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 is is to be is to be is to remain optimistic regardless of how difficult circumstances can get and alhamdulillah all praises due to god that 
despite many of the political elites, if not all, having sold out, we had one man who took a stand, formed a group called the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan. They're leading a solid effort in combating uh, extremism and terrorism in Afghanistan so as to prevent Afghanistan from further becoming a safe haven for international terrorism. It's already underway. We saw that. Zawahiri's assassination just last week proved that. Hmm. Zawahiri's assassination it isn't the end of it either. So the greatest, the most significant, the most important thing, okay, good job. Withdrawal's done. World of the West. Now, if we want to be on the right side of history, there's only one thing to do. And that's to stand with, support the only remaining democratic forces fighting for the restoration of freedom, justice, and peace in Afghanistan, that being the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan led by Commander Ahmad Massoud. Yeah. Um, John, if you, I, I'm, on my end, I mean, we've gone over what we initially intended, and on my end, I have nothing more to really add or say. Um, if you have any closing remarks, please go ahead. And then um, before ending, before ending our episode, let's just also share with our viewers a little uh, a brief summary of what's about to come and what, what the future of radio resistance will look like. Because um, um, radio resistance is an effort that started with you and myself, right? Um, a few months ago and we've had some plans but due to there being so many different um things going on uh, not everything has gone according to our initial plans and but but we uh have a few special episodes um uh stored and in mind and we'd like to share that with i think it would be good nice to share that with our viewers as well uh, yeah please do you have any uh, anything to add or Anything else you think we that would be worthy to discuss on today's episode? Uh, well, I mean, we did go over time, so I, I don't want to lengthen it. But that's my I mean, fault. I'm sorry, bro. I, no, no, I tend all, to go on these rants. No, we know. both didn't. No, so that's okay. Um, I, I just think it's important for people to know. I I know we said we we didn't want to necessarily do a recap of everything that happened, right? Um, but I think it's just important for people to know that uh, the, the, in the past year, the, the Taliban have not changed. That's that's uh, obvious, right? The same mentality exists. Um, what they did, how they ruled from 96, 2001, same thing. Uh, they're still attacking ethnic minorities, religious minorities. They're still... Uh, displacing people, you know, from from their area, the areas which they live in, they're still um, committing, you know, human rights violations left and right. They're still 
not allowing girls to go to school, right? Teenage girls are not allowed to go to school. Uh, women have been virtually erased from society. Uh, they're not allowed to work in almost the majority of uh, workplaces. Even just being out in public, they're restricted from going out like to parks and stuff on certain days. The clothing that they wear, they're restricted. Um, so in terms of like ideology, they haven't changed one bit. Uh, it's, it's exactly the same. And then in terms of, uh, you know, what they've achieved, uh, you know, we, we don't need to explain this. You just have to look, right? You just have to look what they did from 96, 2001. If you know that history and you compare it to, to what's happening right now, it's the same thing. Uh, in terms of ideology, they're still terrorists. Terrorists don't change their ideology. Um, they still believe in blowing people up. They took pride in this, right? Um, they have a suicide bombing unit currently in place right now. Um, achievements, they haven't achieved anything. I mean, they've plunged the entire country into the, the worst uh, economic crisis. People are starving. Um, and you can't blame when people say, oh, well, that's because of the sanctions. Well, why are there sanctions? Uh, maybe if they behaved like normal people, like a normal government, right, there wouldn't be sanctions, right? Maybe if you simply allowed girls to go to school, there'd be a lot more money flowing in. But of the money flowing in, the millions of dollars that we see on a weekly basis, they're just misappropriating funds. They're spending it on their own soldiers. Um, they're sending all the soldiers to the north of the country specifically. And they're killing people. There's, there's just mass killings when they can't. Uh, put up a fight against the resistance. They go after civilians, and I think this is um, this is what people aren't understanding. Um, all the promises that they made that came, you know, up, uh, after the the Doha talk that they were supposedly supposed to adhere by, they violated all of that. General amnesty. We've seen reports that they've killed uh, hundreds. It was like I think five hundred documented soldiers, uh, former security forces. Um, but we see it happen on the daily. Uh, no general amnesty, no inclusive government. Their government is just full of terrorist men. Um, what else? Just violating human rights. There's zero women's rights. Uh, Tar targeting of specific ethnic groups as well. Yeah, you I know, that. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and yeah. Forced displacements. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I, um, human traffic, trafficking, antiquity trafficking. Remember yeah. the Bactrian gold, drug trafficking, whatever crime. What crime is there that they have not committed? What crime is there that wouldn't, that would, that would, um, where, what action of theirs has not been directly a crime. A, a crime or an act of terror, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then that's, those are their negative actions. And like, so what do they achieve? Absolutely nothing. Because like you just said, every action of theirs is just a negative action. It's it's a crime. It's a an act of terror, an act of, uh, it's a criminal act. So they've achieved nothing. I don't understand till this day how people can whitewash. They achieved one thing. What's that? They, they achieved in isolating Afghanistan from the rest of the yeah, world. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's what they've achieved.
their yeah. biggest accomplishment was well everything else you men mentioned those are their achievements right yeah. putting our country in an economic crisis in a political crisis uh economic humanitarian both go hand in hand these security, are security wise security. When, when some people say oh at least they brought security oh yeah we have a, a bombing happen every other week at a mosque um just we see videos of people getting shot up and beheaded yeah that's great security right um and then the, the crazy part is it's like oh well what's the alternative right well well what are we going to do do we want more bomb do you want more 20 years of war no no it's like we listed it before there is an alternative right if you want to talk muslim it's a muslim group if you want to talk about moderate it's moderate if you want to talk about oh well what do they do they have a plan we just saw the other day there they put out their list of principles and you read through that when you read through it and 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 it's backed up by the leader's statements and his history and his character it's like how can you disagree with this it's like how can you say that no uh i don't really agree with these things especially when you're living like in america you're living in the west you adhere to these values this is what allows you to go to you know you went to school by virtues of these principles these democratic principles and values you earn a living right the job that you have the society that you live in this is just ingratitude by anyone that's living in the West and that continues to not only they, they think that bashing the resistance is a better thing than, uh, you know, calling out the, the Taliban. This is hypocrisy and just ingratitude from a spiritual level, from from so many perspectives to them to the max. Um, and uh yeah, supposedly, if if you're gonna continue to to whitewash and support a group that has killed so many people and that's just caused so much sorrow and misery to to millions of people, then there's no hope in such a person. And I just pray that you know we we find guidance. And that's it, man. I, that's all. That's all I got for you. I think we should probably wrap it up. If you got anything go ahead um no you're right um and it's been a whole hour and a half uh just uh thank you for everybody who's tuned in um it has been as we mentioned a year of darkness uh for our people and um but as mentioned as also mentioned there is a light at the end of this tunnel and uh, that's what we're all clinging on to. Um, it would mean the world and beyond to each and every one of us from Afghanistan for, for you to show to your, to the extent of your capabilities, but to recognize our resistance. We see, you know, Ukraine being, and, and all, all my hats off to, to those resisting, whether it be in Ukraine, whether it be in Palestine, whether it be um, wherever it may be, right? Um, an indigenous resistance by the people, for the people, is always admirable and respectworthy and noteworthy, right? But what about ours? Ahmad Masood, Commander Ahmad Masood, did not have what Zelensky has. 
and yet he hasn't given up. So August 15, 2021, in the words of a, um, a pretty prominent journalist, I saw this on her Instagram story. She said that the day we lost our country and the world just watched. Uh, Nili Kohzad with CNN, um, she she had mentioned this. And, uh, you know, when I read that, I said, that's in a, in a nutshell. That's literally it. 8-15-2021, the day we lost our country and the world i just watched um you know comments are incoming right now uh um i did want to go ahead and end it right here but we have someone who um just asked about um news from panchir mm. um um and uh so the national resistance front of afghanistan's official um on their website and on their um uh Twitter page as well. You can go and hit and check. And um, so at NRFAFG on Twitter, you can go and see the latest. But um, today there were some uh, uh, offensives that took place and the National Resistance Front were successful in their battles over, uh, I think it was 20 or 30 um, casualties uh, from the Taliban and um, certain uh uh, uh certain districts that were under taliban control were taken back but it's a guerrilla warfare that uh, the national resistance front has adopted and that is part of their military strategy at the moment the leader himself has mentioned this in his latest interview uh, that the actual recapturing of these districts as a long term uh for, for for the long term right now is not part of the military strategy right so um yeah that's a little gist of it um brother mazdak i see um um and you could like as i said um thing and uh, just a shout out real quick before we end this episode to a prominent another prominent journalist who's been covering specific covering all news relating to all about the Afghanistan, but has been doing a great job when it comes to the happenings and the events relating to the national resistance front of afghanistan and um event so of course events um that are taking place specifically in northern afghanistan and panjshir more so specifically uh brother muhammad natiq malikzada um mm. on on twitter at natiq malikzada um we can i think go ahead and share it as a comment here um go ahead and do that and um so you guys can follow his page as well uh, to stay up to date as far as the latest in terms uh, latest uh, events and happenings um, for all of Afghanistan, but also specifically uh, the happenings of the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan. Um, with my uh, again sincerest um, gratitude and appreciation to each and every one of you for joining us today. Uh, I mentioned this a couple times, but I promise this will be the last. Uh, I'm done, guys. Yeah, I'm done. Sorry, are, people are done with us tonight. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we've had the same amount of you know viewers who have stayed with us. It seems for the whole hour and a half. So again, thank you guys Shout for bearing, those bearing, bearing with us. Um, 
but I promise we do have some very special. Oh yeah, we did mention that we we're gonna end with this. We have some very special things in store for you guys. Okay, let's um, start. Let's start with the first one. What, what would you say? Well, before we mention those specific episodes, yeah. one thing we'll uh, we're aiming to do one episode between Zubairjan and myself, and then an episode where we bring a special guest, and you guys can feel free to send us suggestions of those who you'd like to see on our podcast as well. So alternating, but, you mean? Yes, we'll be alternating between uh, episodes with the two of us and that. Uh, and the next episode with, with the guest. With the guest. And then exactly. back to the two of us, back to a guest. Right. Um, so this is episode four. This would be episode number four, our first time going live. And um, so this one doesn't count in terms of the pattern. So we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to have a guest on the next one, right? Yes. You want to spill the beans? Mm, is it confirmed? I mean. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, no, there, there, there are two confirmations, right? So it's your calls of our John. It's your calls of our John. No, go ahead. Let's see. Let's see if we get any live comments coming in right now. Um, we do have live comments coming in, but... Um, how badly do you guys want to know what our next episode, the guest for our ne next episode? Ultimately, it's your calls, right, John? <laughs> Are you asking me or the audience? I thought you were asking. I, I was asking the audience, but I mean, I don't know how fast and quick this. Yeah, I don't sorry. think we should wait for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, let them know. I mean, it's okay. Uh, well, how about the gist of the episode? What did we want, what did we want to do? Uh, what type of... We wanted to invite, I know at one point, I'll just say it, we wanted to have a a woman, a female guest, right? Right. To, to discuss um, their uh, take on the whole issue surrounding, um, you know, women in Afghanistan, how the Taliban have affected uh, women's rights, girls' education, and all of that, the lives of women in Afghanistan. Um this should have been something that we did from the beginning, but it's, um, you know, certain people have security issues and, you know, honestly, you know, a lot of people troll and make fun of people like us that they're like, Oh, look at you guys. You're resisting from behind the computer. There's like, or cyber resistance, cyber resistance, or as they say in Farsi, like Zeri Kampel and stuff like that. It's like, okay, this is what we're doing, but, since when in the history of ever uh, of our time did supporting a resistance group right mean that you have to go and fight there otherwise you can't do it at all right it's like when they do it with palestine right it's like free palestine ha all hashtags and just whatever it's okay that criticism doesn't apply there but when we do it to defend our country it's like oh you guys are doing it through the internet uh, you guys this you're leading a resistance through the internet um, no, the resistance just today took back a district. There's photos of them with uh, like dozens of Taliban members that they captured and that they're treating uh, properly in accordance to humanitarian law, the rules of war, Islamic law. What is that? And that's happened multiple times. We shot down a helicopter. Uh, we took multiple captives. We took back multiple districts. Taliban have constantly begged and pleaded for the resistance to you know step down from the mountains and stuff like that so if if the resistance was purely through the internet and us being on twitter 
then honestly, we should keep at it because it's working. It's we're doing a good job. Um, but anyway, how did that come up? That was a a tangent. I forgot. Uh, no, I'm just in relation to what our next, what our plans are for future episodes and all oh, that. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 woman uh, of uh, of Afghanistan. Oh yeah, them not wanting to <laughs> join a podcast specifically showing their face because they could get some of them are afraid that they might get harassed or targeted or stuff. Here we like go. That. That's brother, the reality. Brother Mazdak Bomdadan, I believe. I hope I didn't uh, mispronounce your name, dear brother. But he says it's a good idea. Uh, dear our dear sister Marina Habibi, um, she says that's badly needed as well um we're getting we're getting some positive feedback so um yeah let's just leave them with that for now guys um we won't drop any names because uh there's a few things that need to be confirmed as well but um okay yeah and then also also just one other uh episode that was planned and we're in the month of muharram i do just want to mention this that um for us muslims um irrespective of your uh, sectarian views. Um, it, it's a it's a very important time of the year. Um, and there's a direct correlation between any resistance movements in this time of the year, um, especially those Islamic resistance movements or any type of uh, um, jihad, right? Um, on the 10th of Muharram, the day of Ashura, Right, um, the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace and blessings be on him, uh, was martyred by a corrupt and evil tyrant of his time, uh, Yazid ibn Muawiyah. And um, there are a lot of lessons, there are a lot of important lessons that um, I believe... um, we can draw from the events that took place on mm-hmm. the day of Ashura in the Battle of Karbala, and they directly correlate with what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, some claim that this is actually a tradition that's been documented in books, and some say, say that it may have just been a quote from a um, prominent scholar, but uh, that, that quote it goes along the lines of um, every day is Ashura and every land is Karbala. Mm. And today's Karbala in our motherland is Panjshir. Yeah. It's, been, it's been Ashura for 365 days. Kabul, Panjshir, Mazar, every single province, every single city of Afghanistan we've been experiencing Ashuraya Husaynin. And quite literally this month as well, Shiite mosques were bombed again. Sure, ISIS took responsibility, but the Taliban and ISIS—they—they—they—they—they uh, have no difference in belief when it comes to their views towards Shiite Muslims who were attacked. So that's another episode for y'all to stay tuned for. Um, and yeah, so we've got those two episodes. We just. Uh, leaked some special news for you guys <laughs> um again thank you all for tuning in um and this time for real final thing do hit the subscribe hit the like share the podcast with your friends family please 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 get the word out 
we promise we're going to be doing putting in um, more effort to and and we're really listening to your feedback yeah uh, and trying our best to improve and enhance um, our podcast uh, but we definitely need your support as well uh, in helping to amplify our voice thank you very much yeah thank you uh, just for my part I just want to also express any uh, like my apologies for any mistakes or any uh, if we bored you or if we've been inconsistent or whatnot um uh, i'm not making excuses but at the end of the day we do have lives and we have uh full-time jobs that we work and we also have tons of other projects that we're working on uh for the the cause of afghanistan so um that being said i definitely um we're going to be working much more diligently and putting more more of an effort to produce uh more consistent episodes um and to produce just better quality and having guests on and making it more entertaining. So just uh, bear with us for now. Uh, and I think uh, going forward, it's just, it'll be much better, uh, inshallah, God willing. So thank you. And I think uh, that should be it, right? Should we uh, end the yes, live? Sir. Yep, let's go ahead and end our broadcast. Um, again, thank you all. And uh, may God be with you. Thank you. Hadafis. Hadafis.